welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Jesus speaks the words no one wanted to admit. He was not always going to be around. Oh, don't say that, so many of us have said to a loved one who speaks the truth about the fragility of life. Perhaps we get uncomfortable because it reveals the precious nature of the present moment, laying bare the beauty and horror of it all. The indescribable pain we know we will one day face invades our senses like a pervasive perfume, inescapable. What if we stopped denying the limited nature of our lives and breathed in deeply the fragrance of vulnerability? In our message of the week, Pastor Abigail Ozan highlights the realness of loss, depression, and pain. She shares from the book of John, chapter 12, and the reminder that despite the pain that is inevitable, our moments of grieving can be joyful enough. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. We are doing this series on being good enough, and we have our ladder here that we have not been using to climb towards success, but talking about how we can transform it just where we are. And so today we're going to talk about a different um, kind of success. Even as we are Christians, sometimes we're still striving for things. And one of those things is we strive to be happy and joyful and to show our success in that way. So I invite you to consider this as we listen to our scripture and as I share the message this morning. But first, let's pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in our sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. And you'll notice it's a perfect timing because it's just getting on the Passover in this scripture. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Thanks be to God for the gift of scripture. We do strive to be joyful, to appear like we're satisfied with our life. But suffering happens. We grieve. We strive to be whole, but we are fragile. We break. 
The story of Mary of Bethany and Jesus reveals our mortal and fragile natures. It allows the display of real feeling and the sharing of truth about how things really are. Maybe you, like me, have always wondered, what is up with Mary? I mean, her actions seem a little bit extreme and unnecessary. In fact, it's always made me a bit uncomfortable. But one of the things that I have learned is that when scripture makes you uncomfortable, it's often a sign that there is something there for you to learn and that you should take a closer look. So let's take a little closer look and let's imagine we're in this space um, in the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha experiencing this. Maybe you're a disciple that has come along with Jesus. And so you come to the house and you're greeted by the host, Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are preparing things, and so Lazarus sits down at the table. You all get ready to sit down at the table. Mary comes, and you think she's about to serve the food. Instead, she kneels down at Jesus' feet, and she pours out costly perfume, and then she uses her own hair to wipe away the oil and dirt. All the while, she is giving thanks to Jesus for all that he has done for her and her family and pouring out her love. This public display of strong emotion and the very intimate act of using her hair to wipe Jesus' feet makes you feel uncomfortable and a bit embarrassed. Then Jesus starts to speak and you think, good, he is going to tell her to calm down and not do what she's doing. He'll set it straight. Instead, Jesus praises Mary because he says he will not always be with them. Even worse, now Jesus is reminding everyone of his mortality. Now your friend is talking about his death. So I hope that this maybe helped you to imagine this scene a little bit more. And maybe like me, you were wondering what Mary was thinking in that moment when she pours all that expensive perfume on Jesus. And so in this retelling, I kind of imagined that she would have been so grateful because not so long before this, Jesus had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. And She'd been following Jesus and been friends with Jesus before that, too. But still, her actions seem a bit extravagant. I mean, she didn't need to use the whole jar, did she? Or why use her hair? Wouldn't a towel have worked just as well or better? I mean, really. <laughs> but Jesus praises her, so she must have been doing something right. At least she was being honest. Mary's sincere expression of her feelings actually allows for her demonstration of emotion, and it leads into Jesus revealing more of the truth about how things are. 
It's a double kind of truth-telling, her honesty and him explaining the situation that, um, frankly, his disciples were ignoring because his friends, of course, want Jesus to live forever or a really, really long time anyway. But he is mortal and human and fragile. His body can be broken. And so this reality that he is talking about is obviously something his friends don't want to hear or think about. I think part of what makes me uncomfortable is that Mary's actions are not the what I would do. I'm a bit more reserved than that. I think I'd only use maybe half the jar. And I also find sometimes that I'm weary or leery of feeling vulnerable because, you know, sometimes that's hard to do and with good reason. But transparency can have a positive impact. With Jesus' statement, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus is stating a basic truth. All around them, all around the disciples and Jesus, from the very sight of Lazarus, who'd been raised from the dead, to the use of perfume that would have been used to anoint bodies at burial, to Jesus' words about his coming death, we are confronted with the reality of death. We may not want to acknowledge this, just as the disciples did not, but it is a truth. It's natural for humans not to want to look at things like that, not to want to think about our mortality. And also, it's very natural not to want to appear vulnerable. In fact, animals try not to do this in a whole variety of ways. And I know like hedgehogs curl up in a ball and then they have all those little spikes. We don't have those in the United States, but we do have porcupines and they also shoot off spikes <laughs> when they're feeling vulnerable or skunks, you know what they do. But Jesus uses his vulnerability and his ability to suffer to save us. And so there is a time and a place when it can be helpful. All of us try to appear at times different on the outside than we are on the inside. And so sometimes that means trying to appear happy. And it's good to be joyful, but you don't have to be that way all the time. You don't have to be happy all the time. It's okay to be sad and to grieve. We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. This is good news because it allows for us to be authentic to ourselves and it allows for others around us to be authentic. Now, there are limits. There are times and places to be sharing things. You do not want to be taking off your um, defenses if you're in the middle of a situation where you're being attacked. But when we're with people that we trust, or with a community that we trust, we can dare to be vulnerable. I've seen in my own life 
as well as in the lives of others, the way that sharing can make space for others to share. One particular event that reminds me of this was something that happened to me in seminary. When I was a student pastor serving in Chicago at a reasonably big church, and there was a senior pastor there that I was serving with, but I was scheduled to preach a sermon on On the Road to Joy, which was a sermon during Advent. When it came time for me to write the sermon, I was faced with a dilemma. I could talk about joy in a more abstract and not particularly personal way and not risk anyone feeling uncomfortable. Or I could choose to share my truth. Despite the risk, I chose the latter. Because I truly did not know how to preach about being on the road to joy without sharing that I had just gotten out of the psychiatric ward after a difficult bout of depression. Now, depressed and being joyful do not usually go together in our thinking. But I was able to talk about my experiences and the little places that one can find joy. Things like laughter with friends, singing with a choir, the beauty of purple shadows on snow, or sunshine after a dreary winter. These are the things that you can hold on to, the kinds of joy that you can keep with you. And then, even in difficult places, you can find joy. Now, I might not have been ready to jump up and down and shout my feelings from the rooftops, but I could take the first steps on the road to joy. What happened after I preached this sermon was beyond anything I could have imagined. After the worship service and throughout the next week, people came up to the senior pastor and they said, we need to talk more about mental illness in church. In the end, I led a small group that explored mental health and faith further, looking at scriptures and theology and sharing personal experiences of people in the group. And then in the spring, I assisted in putting together a service for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is May, that involved a whole variety of people sharing their experiences through the prayers of the service and through sharing parts of the message. Because I shared my feelings, because I chose not to pretend, others could acknowledge the reality that this is a topic that touches many people, many families. My truth-telling reached far beyond that day and those people that were present there. God took my words and revealed something that had been unspoken, hidden, relegated to the corners and the shadows. This is not the only time that I've encountered this. And another one that really sticks with me is something that happened oh, some months ago during the pandemic when I was talking with a group of friends. 
and we were sharing about our lives and our work. And of course, when you're sharing about things, you know, you want to talk about how things are working for you and going well and so on, and seem to like you're kind of on top of things. But one woman shared how she was struggling, how she was weighted down by all of the losses of life, of freedom of movement, of connection with others. She found it hard to have energy or to even be as effective as usual at work. She was grieving. And her sharing allowed others to admit how they too were not able to go on as before. That others of us felt some of the same challenges and the same exhaustion. And by her sharing, we were free to not have to pretend that we were all okay, that we were coping perfectly with what was happening. It was a relief in the moment to be able to share, and it was comforting as we went on with our day and our week to know that we were not alone in these struggles. It's okay to not feel joyful all the time, we are fragile, we suffer, we have places of brokenness. It's okay to grieve. Jesus himself was honest about this, grieving for a friend who had died, admitting that his death was soon to come, and suffering great pain at the end of his life. He did not pretend that it was easy. It's okay for us to have feelings and to express them. We don't always have to be joyful or hopeful because we can experience and express the whole range of emotions. God understands all of these. That's part of why it's so important that Jesus came to earth as a human to experience, to be um, one who was mortal and fragile and could be broken. It's okay to trust people when you're having a bad day, or to tell trusted people when you're having a bad day, or when you're grieving for the loss of a spouse, or a job, perhaps a divorce, or a very important friendship. When you're not feeling whole, or thankful, or blessed. We get to stop pretending that everything is fine. And in doing so, we invite others to admit their vulnerability and their suffering. In such moments, God's truth can be revealed. This whole series on good enough reminds us that we do not have to be perfect, that we are good enough as we are. If you've ever questioned if you're a good enough Christian because you don't feel joyful or happy all the time, know that you are enough. You are good enough. And God, who knows what it is to suffer, is right there with you. Thanks be to God. I want to close with one of the blessings from the book, Good Enough. 
Blessed are you, dear, dear ones, doing this holy work of suffering what must be suffered, of grieving what has been lost, of knowing the unthinkable truth that must be known. You are seen by God who breathes compassion upon you, even now, who has walked this path and who leans toward you, gathering you up into the arms of love. Rest now, dear ones. You are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.